Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, guys. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Russ. My real name is Nachum Russell, but nobody can say that. So I became Russ and I love it. And this is my friend, Bethany Johnson of Walking Dog Training out in Orlando. And I'm very excited to have her here tonight. A lot of you probably know Bethany. Um, for those of you who don't, you should check her out. She has a lot of awesome online content and that's how we met. We never actually met in person yet. This is the closest we've gotten to meeting in person, I think, right? Yes, which feels very weird because I feel like I have met you in person. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the awesome things that I love about social media is getting to meet people like like how we met that we never we never would have encountered each other had there not been Instagram, had there not been Facebook. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, I made some really good friends through Instagram. Which yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's funny to me because there's so much talk about like social media making people antisocial and then imagine with what's going on now if there was no social media there would be no social life so it's kind of like maybe it's not making us so antisocial maybe it's actually doing a lot of good things and there's obviously not so good things in it but there's a lot of good stuff too like we get to meet each other i think that's awesome yeah and i think it's just a big thing with what you focus on yeah it's like if you follow people that make you feel bad then yeah you're not gonna feel good about yourself but if you follow people like you you're just you know, gonna want to work with your dog and just be so happy. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. So, for those of you who guys, if it's your first time watching the show, it's this is the second episode of it. Um, I started the show just as a way of getting to know trainers and cool people and awesome people out there, and to introduce them to you guys and for us just to chat. Um, so it's really no real structure to it. If anybody does have any questions or comments or topics that you do want us to discuss feel free to throw it up in the comments and we'll try to get to it. Um, we don't try, we will, but, <laughs> but if not, we're just going to chat. So I have a question for you, Bethany, because I know you weren't always a dog trainer, just like none of us were always dog trainers. We all somehow started becoming dog trainers. And I'd love to know what got you into dog training. Oh, um, our dog Theo. So we adopted him as a puppy and I had never, known a dog a dog could be like this and he was just a terror like awful as a puppy and so um we went back and forth of if we were going to return him to the shelter we were crying and like <laughs> so i just decided to start um researching dog training and see if i could help or how could i stop his like awful behavior and came across uh sean at the good dog his yeah. q a saturday and binge well, I listened to them when I was um, in my earbuds uh, when I was dog walking and just started implementing stuff and not with an e-collar at that age, but just like little things. And I mean, it changed our life, like really. And I think the biggest change happened. Oh, I don't know how old he was, but I was just sold. I was like, I need to start helping. I wanted to help other owners. And I was a dog walker at the time, which was really great because I had an in with a lot of owners and um, a couple of my first clients, they were kind of like one-on-one -on -one clients were dog walking clients. And then I just, it was really the only way I wanted to keep growing. And as a dog walker, unless you're going to hire people on, you can't really go that much further. Um, right. So dog training was kind of the next step and then just started and slowly started doing more and more. I think it's a very cool, there's different I, from the dog trainers I've spoken to, and obviously like we have an awesome community that we're part of and we've yeah. networked with so many trainers and it's, it's really cool. There's different types of ways that we've gotten into this. And there's a special thing about the ones who've gotten into it from having their firsthand experience of having that wild child, right? <laughs> and it's, it's like, in a sense, you get to relate to the owners in a much stronger way than the average trainer might, or than somebody, I shouldn't say the average trainer because there's many trainers with this background, but then the trainer who just, loves dogs or just loves animal behavior but when it's something that you firsthand experience you could not just like put yourself in that person's shoes you were in that person's shoes you were once that client and you totally know what they're going through and i think it's for clients who are coming to somebody like you with that it's a very great perspective to be able to have because you know it you were there like and i'm sure the struggles are still there sometimes because oh. i know i have my wild child and it's <laughs> the struggles don't go away it's just we learn how to deal with them yeah, well, one thing that I'm finding and I can really relate to owners, which I love, is 
the owners that struggled the most, I feel like come out on the other side, even happier. And I think it's that struggle that makes it so worth it, which is so cool because I mean, there's nothing worse than feeling like you don't know what else to do besides take your dog back to the shelter or return yeah. your dog wherever you got your dog. And so I can relate. I get a lot of owners who, not a lot, but where's like the last straw? Like, what else do we need to do? Let's send our dog to a boot camp kind of a thing. So yeah, it's really cool. It's okay. a special perspective to have. Yes. It's a very good one. And it's very useful that mm -hmm. it's such a useful thing to be able to, in anything in life in general, when you could not just empathize, but also literally relate because you've been there it's a much higher level of connection that you get to build and when you have that it's much easier for people to be receptive to what you're going to say as well yeah well one thing i found is um owners like when you tell them that you struggle yes <laughs> they, like i used to think when i first started that oh everything has to look perfect like my dogs have to be perfect or perfectly trained and what i started to find was that once I started sharing more of like the behind the scenes stuff or that my dogs are not perfect, they liked it. It like you made put them great. You put up a great video. I, I just was watching it like a couple hours ago. I think you put it up yesterday showing the, the, the not such good looking stuff. I don't remember how you titled it. Oh, right? the messy side. Yeah. The messy side. And that's so important because an owner who's sitting at home and everything looks perfect to them, they're going to totally think that they might as well give up because they'll never get that. Yeah, but when like a professional trainer showing that messy side, showing that it's not really perfect most of the time. It's such a relief. It's like, OK, so my dog's also not perfect and theirs is not perfect, but they still have a way to work through that. And now I know yeah. I have hope. It gives well, a message of hope. Yeah. Well, and I know that um, like when I first started training and I was sharing stuff like that just because I didn't know. I was just like trying to document stuff. And then I got to a point um, like a couple months ago. Well, up until this like whole thing that's happening, which to me has just been a way to, I don't know, it's kind of inspired me to just try and get as creative as possible and like try new things and put a spin on the craziness. And it's made me want to go back to how I used to be where I was sharing more behind the scenes stuff and the messy side and not just trying, I love making videos, but um, not just trying to sh show like the awesome part of it or like that after, you know? And I yeah. think that, Owners really like it. They like seeing the messy side, which is so the opposite of what I thought they would want to see, to be honest. Well, it's not like it, instead of proving, look what I can do, it's showing, look at the reality of the situation and yes. every dog goes through it, but look at what's possible if you work through it. And that's yeah. more of a message of hope than just seeing a perfect picture at the end with no one knowing what's going on. Like here, Terry over said, people need to see the messy. Oh, it's yeah. So Hi, Terry. Yes, I agree. Well, and I know for myself as an owner, I would want to see that. Like I started yeah. thinking I wasn't seeing a lot of trainers sharing that side. I mean, like the before video, that's always like a lot of people do that, which is really cool. But I wasn't seeing like the messy middle part. And I was like, well, if I really wish that I was seeing it, I need to start doing that. And it's yeah. one thing I love about your content. This is and this, it was, to be honest, part of an inspiration of why I wanted to really start this, because I think you put up a post a while ago. It was one of your nicely written with a good picture post. <laughs> and it, it said something of the idea of like, if you want community, create the community, right? Yeah. And it's community. if you want to see something, create what you want to see, because I'm sure other people want to see it too. And it's such, that's like in life in general, that's such a good one, because nobody's going to come and give it to you. Nobody's going to make it for you. Nobody's going to set it up for you. If you really think that that's what you would want to see. Yeah. And other people want it too. And it's yeah. so real. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Power. And the reality of the content that comes out of it for owners is so much better because it feels more authentic. And that's, that's where it, that is authenticity. That's what people really are connecting with um, more than the dog. That's what I think. Yeah, I know. I, well, isn't that what this is called? No, what, what do you call this? I'm calling it not just dogs. Oh, we don't have to talk about dogs. <laughs> I feel like we always end up coming back to it somehow. But yeah. um, I love talking about like the social media side of things. Love. Like when I get a dog in, I'm like, how can I share this dog in a new way? Just makes me really happy. So you recently started coaching people with social media stuff, right? 
so I'm starting to do something. Well, so this is one of those things. It's like an idea. And I heard, um, I don't know if you know of Marie Forleo. Mm -hmm. Sure. And she, one thing she says a lot is start before you're ready, which is really scary. Yeah. I have that written down. I didn't you know, know she said it. I have that written down, but I'll, I have it quoted from you. Because you wrote it in one of your stories, and yeah. I was like, I love that, and I wrote it down, and I didn't know that you had gotten <laughs> from her, so that's cool. Okay. Oh, that just gave me chills. Uh, but yeah, she says it a lot, and so I just had this idea because a lot of owners that I work with are women, and I also get a lot of messages from a lot, but like I get messages from uh, people who want to get into dog training. I just know T3, it completely changed my life. And I remember after T3, I really wanted a mentor. And I was like really bummed out that a couple that I really wanted to uh, kind of hang out with or do stuff with, um, it wasn't possible at the time. And uh, so I just started thinking like as someone, what would I have really wanted? What did I want? And how can I create that for someone else? I haven't been a dog trainer for 20 years, but I don't think you need that to give advice. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can start something. It's still kind of in the works, but um, after talking to you, I'm probably going to work on it tonight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's really awesome. And I like I like yeah. what you said that you don't need to be in it for 20 years to give advice, and like you don't need to be perfect to start teaching. You no, teach with what you have now and continue learning more and teaching more. Yeah. I was watching somebody's Instagram live the other day because everybody's doing lives these yeah. days. Yeah. And he was, he brought some random person on, like he brought one of his followers on just to chat live with him. And they were, the guy was saying that he wants to become a dog trainer. And, but one of the big things that was holding him back was that his dog is still reactive. Uh, and it's the same idea really is what, what you're saying. But that idea of like, just because your dog is still has issues doesn't mean you can't service somebody else who has other issues and even the same exact issue. I mean, the stuff that I struggle with with my own dog still are things that I'm helping other owners with all the time. And I think that that's, yeah. that's the beauty of it. Like we're none of us are perfect, but we're helping each other achieve more and to get to a better place. And the goal is never perfection in any of it. The goal is just to be better. No, and I think that that is such a common thing that new dog trainers, because I, I thought it for sure. But I yeah. think the more owners you work with, the more that they just want to be able to relate to you. All they really want is for like a head start, of course, is good. But um, they, they know that they'll still struggle. It's just I think it's inspiring to see other people who are experts, you know, like doing what they do, like dog trainers, and they're relatable. I think that's nice. Yeah. I think it's much less intimidating. For a long time, I never, I, I felt like I could never speak about my Marley. Marley's my wild child. Yeah. I, was, I can't tell people that like the other day he growled at somebody on a walk. I can't say that, right? Or I can't like say that occasionally he doesn't come on a perfect recall when I call him, right? Because if I say that, then it means I can't train a dog to do recall or I can't help a dog with reactivity. Yeah. And like, the more that I actually have shown that and have spoken about it and then spoken about how I worked through that situation or how it made me feel or the struggle of me having to accept the fact that he's never going to be a perfect dog, yeah. all of that stuff. Because what I think that most owners are really seeking is not necessarily somebody who could train their dog perfectly. It's somebody who's going to be real about it. Yeah. Right? And if you're not, if there's something you're hiding, then you're not going to be able to help somebody else reach that whatever their dog can really do because there's something you're hiding about and then they're they're going to hide it too because they're going to feel it's this unauthentic when it's when there's something hiding it like creates friction between that relationship yeah the open it is the easier it is to just connect and that's ultimately what it's about is that relationship with a with the clients and helping them have that with their dog and the more that we're open, the easier it is for them to be open. And then that's how you can really connect and work together and build. Yeah. Well, one thing that I've found is the more that I share stuff about me and like my family or my dogs or experiences, I, I, I feel like I attract certain kinds of owners and it's owners that are okay with that and they relate to it or they feel more comfortable talking about certain things or I don't know. I think it's just, 
the best thing is just to be yourself and sharing yeah. stories and experiences. And I think that's super cool. And the cool thing about sharing yourself, which like I've been inspired by a lot of different people out there who do it. And like, I, I watch your things and like the way you're, you're pretty vulnerable sometimes out there. And it's, it's really brave. It's really cool to see. And the more that I see that and I'm inspired to do that, the more like the people who want to work with me are people who are also like that. And what it does is instead of you having to like weed through like, okay, this person I want to work with, this person I don't, the people who actually already connect with your realness are the ones who are reaching out to you because the other people are like, okay, this guy's crazy. He shares too much. This girl is nuts. She says everything about herself, right? And then they're like, but then the other, and you don't want to work with those people because yeah. those are the people who's like, they don't connect with your style anyways. They don't connect with who you are as a person because what you're sharing is who you are. Yeah. People who really connect with you and that's when you really get the best work out of it. And that's when everyone's most successful. Yes. Well, it's the same thing with like content stuff, like social media and what you share. A lot of people get stuck. I mean, I know I have before for sure. Like, will people like this or will this upset someone? Or so I always try to come from a place of like, why am I sharing it? If I'm sharing it to try and be helpful for someone or make someone else feel like they're not alone or they're not the only person that's gone through that. I think that's valuable. And if you, I mean, you always hear like, if you help one person, that's all you need to do. And it, that's nice to say, but it is true. Like it just, if you make an impact on anyone, it's valuable. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up one of the questions over here uh, because I think it's a good one on what we were discussing before. Angela, Angela said, so why do you think the older dog trainers say that a trainer's personal dog shouldn't have any problems? So I can tell you what I think. It might not be so accepted by a lot of people, but I don't really give a shit. This is on my page. But <laughs> I think that there's a lot of ego because yeah. anyone who thinks that they have to make sure that their dog is perfect, and if your dog is not perfect, you can't help other dogs, it's a lot of ego that's preventing a ton of people from getting the help they ultimately need, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're, if whoever these older trainers are, right, apparently they exist, and if they're telling a younger trainer of some sort to not train dogs because their dog is not at this older trainer's level of perfection. That's that older trainer's ego deciding who can help who and ultimately cutting out the amount of help that's out there for owners that really need the help. So somebody might be great at teaching dogs how to walk perfectly on a leash and their dog might still be aggressive. Meaning there can be a person who they specialize in helping dogs work on, walk on leash and that's their thing and they're amazing at it. While at the same time, their buddy at home is still dog aggressive and the two have nothing to do with each other because the random person who calls up and says, hey, my dog pulls me down the street every day and I hate walking it, doesn't care that your dog is aggressive. It cares about the fact that you can help it walk properly. And if you can get that for the client, then hell yeah. And if people are saying that you shouldn't be able to do that for this client who needs the help, they're allowing people to continue to suffer because of some ego. So that's what I think. It might be a little bit aggressive the way I said it, but that's just the way I feel about it. I'm passionate about it. <laughs> well, I even heard one time where someone, a trainer I was following said, um, if you haven't had 10, 10 years of experience as a dog trainer, you should not be able to call yourself a dog trainer, which to me... Yeah is insane. It's like, it's not about like, they're not, it's about owners. And if right. someone who, I mean, I have what, two and a half years experience of actual dog training full time or not even full time. And I feel like I've helped owners like that is the goal. So That's yeah. Matters in it. Like ultimately, Angela, thanks for bringing up that question. Yeah, hi, Angela. <laughs> Thank you. Ultimately, all that really matters in, in all of this is the humans at the other end. Like, yes, I love dogs. Obviously, I love dogs. I wouldn't spend my life doing things with them. I wouldn't have three of them. I wouldn't pick up their poop all day. Like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a part of my life if I didn't love them. But if you're not in it to help people, then what's the idea here? Like, the dogs are not paying your paycheck. And the humans are the ones who are suffering. Yeah. And we're in it to help humans not suffer anymore and in turn, help dogs not suffer too, right? Yeah. So it's a win-win situation. And if in any sense you can do that, 
then absolutely you're a dog trainer because you help that person with their dog and help them have a better life together. It's not about someone else's standards. Yeah, I agree. This is why I don't really follow a lot of dog trainers yeah. unless they're my friends. I like what you said in your stories the other day. You said um, somebody asked you something about becoming a dog trainer and you gave a whole list of people that had nothing to do with dogs. And oh. I was like, Hell yeah, that's what it's yeah. about because training the dogs is the is like the simple side of it and you can be a great dog trainer and suck at train you could be great at training dogs and be a shitty dog trainer yeah there's the whole human aspect to it and that whole connection side of it that if you're not good with people then it doesn't matter you can train dogs as long as you're not working with the owners at all so essentially you could get a job training dogs somewhere but don't work with the don't work with owners don't be a dog trainer that publicizes that well, I think a big part that a lot of dog trainers struggle with, at least like starting, is their confidence. I mean, I know for myself, I was super, I mean, that was like my biggest thing when I first started because you're working with owners, you're nervous about like the go home session. I know I was and like, is it going to go okay? Are they going to like me? Are they going to be happy when they go home? Like it's all these things that happen with experience. But if you just work a lot on yourself and just feeling the best that you can, it has nothing to do with dogs but that will really help. It's helped me, so. Hey, Sabrina. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sabrina. Hey, Amanda. All these awesome people are on here. This is so much fun. Um, Can you see, are you able to see who's on here from your side? No, I was just like repeating everyone that you just said. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, so I heard this really cool thing though about like, Dog, so what you're saying is learning the confidence stuff and all of that from that list of people that you gave. Yeah. But I heard, I have to learn how to pronounce this person's name because I've been quoting this quote a lot and I'm for sure butchering their name, which I hate doing. Um, but it's a Japanese name, so it's really hard to say. Me, I'm not even going to try, but I'll figure it yeah. out. And, <laughs> but essentially the quote is something about if you know the way broadly, then you find it in everything, right? So if you understand the idea of what dog training is, how it works and all of that, then you're going to find it in a lot of things in life that other trainers might not necessarily be finding it in that angle. And you'll find a different way of teaching it that will have never been taught that way before. Right. So like I like to read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. And none of them have anything to do with dog training, but a ton of them inspire my posts about Mm -hmm. training because I kind of have this strange dog training filter in my head that everything that goes in gets filtered through it. And then I get to relate it in some way to explaining the same concept that was explained already, but in a different way. And you might find that way that fit perfectly for that one owner that didn't understand it until now. And then it clicks because they needed it in this new way. And I think, I think it's so important to learn from non dog trainers, but find the common thing that's in all of that, that's in so much of life that connects to dog training. So much of what we talk about is in general, a part of the rules of life. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Here. Real, real life dog training. I hear a dog that I'm training who's I think whining. You have two in now? Yeah, Bobby. Oh, he's not listening to me. <laughs> yeah, I have two. Uh, um, Blue and Olive. Olive is so freaking cute. <laughs> With her legs. legs. Yes. It's I've so never cute. seen that. I've never I seen her sit like that. Right. The laying down everyone's seen, but that sitting, that's special to her. I know. At first I was like, like, is everything okay? What's what's going on? But yeah, she's totally fine. What's your favorite part about what you do? Social media. In what sense? <laughs> Uh, I just feel like it's really helped me connect with a lot of people and owners too, in a different way. Like I love the, um, when I actually get to hang out with owners and I've made some really good friends that have been owners I've worked with. Um, I think it just has like unleashed this creative side of me. It's like that I just never had before. Like I would share stuff when I was a dog walker, but there's just so many stories that I have from dog training. Like, like, and so far, I haven't been training that long, but um, I really enjoy connecting with people through stories. And uh, dogs have just kind of led me to that. And they've led me to so many people. And 
but it's really started with social media side of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that aspect of it all. Like the amount of cool people that I get to talk to because, <clears throat> because I put myself out there in one way or another. So they then want to reach out and connect. And like, it's such a cool, it's a very cool thing to see how that builds over time. Like literally going from one follower who's like your friend <laughs> because they followed you because they want to like support you or they feel bad. I don't know which one. Yeah. Then like eventually having this whole community online of people who like you consider friends and they're, they're your people. And it's such a cool yeah. thing. I think the coolest aspect of it all is that it's all builds from, at least on my end, it all started, started from, me taking that risk of like, I'm going to just going to put myself out there and see what happens and see how it goes and hope that it works and like, just do it. I remember you start when you first started doing stories, I think. I, th yeah. I, don't know I feel like I, so I, started, I started like my social media presence, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, at T3. Yeah. Um, because so actually Julie, like Julie and Josh. Yeah. So they were doing they were doing videos at T3 and they were like asking other trainers who were there to come like answer a question in their video. Yeah. So I did one with them. I hate looking at it, but I did <laughs> one with them and I was like, okay, send it to me. I'm going to post it on my Instagram. And then I decided, okay, that's going to be daily training tip number one. And I'm going to do a daily training tip every single day for a full year and not miss a day. And I decided to do it like that because I was like, I know I can take pictures and write something up, but I want to challenge myself to actually be myself on camera and be forced into it, right? Yeah. Admit to it that like I can't miss a day, then I can't miss a day. So I did that for a full year of those daily training tips. I remember at day 365, I was like, ah, oh, finally, <laughs> I can just put up a picture again and forget about this. And at that point, I loved it already. And like I got really comfortable on it all. And super cool. But to me, that was like that start of how, how this, how I got to connect with people mm -hmm. because people saw me every single day, and then yeah. it builds that connection when you're real, when you're part of their presence. Angela, yeah. you missed my daily training tips. That's so nice. <laughs> daily training tips, just not with my face. And now I call them daily training thoughts. So it's the same <laughs> thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's my favorite part is just creating stuff based on like different dogs. Yeah. And also trying to make it helpful for owners, but you know. Your storytelling side of it is a lot of fun because it makes it very different. Thank it's you. Very different than like, here's how you teach a dog to sit. And it's like, oh. anyone can find a thousand videos on that. Yours is so much more exciting. Like we all know what you're doing by now for the most part, most people know like, and if they want to know the how-to side of it, like it's there, it's all out there. I think you even have how-to videos. Yeah, but, I yeah. But your side of it makes it so much more real. It feels more real to watch it than just like a robotic how-to video. So it's cool. I oh, like I love that. Yeah, there's something in me that like wants to rebel against <laughs> the dog training community. I don't know. Like when I first started, that's all I was seeing was like the same videos over and over. And sometimes when I tell a story or like if I cuss in a story or something, which I really don't cuss in person, it just happens when I write sometimes, which is very bizarre. But first when I started doing that, I was like, all right, I'm probably gonna really upset my parents. But other than that, like I start writing and I just started, um, it was uh, what it was like the writing prompt to get me thinking of stuff was, uh, I remember when, and that was just what started like my writing. That's but very then, cool idea. Yeah, oh, it's, just try it. Like if you're having right. trouble, it really brings up a lot of memories. But yeah, I love it. It's a really cool aspect of it. So what do you think you would be doing if you weren't training dogs? <clears throat> or is this like the only thing you could ever imagine yourself doing? Oh, no. Uh, maybe a photographer? Well, I feel like I do that sometimes anyway. You are a photographer. You know, like I would love, thank you. It's very nice. <laughs> uh, I would love to be like a bread baker. Or like have a little bakery and like have people come in and like daily people that like, 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 hey, Sonny, like coming to get his coffee or something. Like sometimes I miss that. Uh, I used to work at gyms a lot. I miss that like, you know. Daily 
personal communication. Yes. Yeah. I really miss that with dog training, but <clears throat> I think, yeah, dream world, I would have my own little bakery, like make bread and stuff. I love it. Do you still make those, those homemade dog treats? No. So that's one thing. Uh, I remember asking someone, uh, this lady, Amy Jo Martin, um, and <clears throat> she did a live and I asked her about that idea and I was like, Oh, I don't think I'll be able to make like money doing it. And she was like, you should just date ideas, like try it. And I was like, I love that idea. Just date it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it anymore. Right. No, my back was hurting after I made like two batches, which took me like two hours to make like <clears throat> 50 treats. It's just, no. I love that idea of dating an idea. It's like, see how it goes, try it out for a bit. If it doesn't work, break up with it and move on and yeah. try it. I just loved how she said it. I was like, all right, I'll try. And I didn't yeah, like it. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Terry, Terry wants to know, Bethany, tell us about your love of photography and how that helped with what you do and the creative. Ooh, Terry, I love that question. Uh, so I love, oh, so I got into photography when I first was a dog walker and uh, we went and I got a smaller camera and I found myself like, I couldn't wait to go walk dogs to just take pictures. And so it became like some kind of an obsession. And then I would send the pictures to owners and they loved it. And so <clears throat> it just kind of became my thing where I would take pictures and it just really fueled, like it just helped me find a whole creative side that I didn't know I had. And then I started I'll never forget when Bobby told me when I was getting into dog training or thinking about it. And he was like, photography might not be something that you do full time, but it will be a great addition to the training. Yeah. As it's just, I, oh, I love, I could talk, Terry, I could talk about photography for hours. I love it so much. Let's do it. Let's what? do it. So give us some photography tips because I have my camera and I suck at it. Oh. And I got the camera that you recommended I should get, the Sony A600. Yeah, that's my first one, A6000. A6000, yeah, you see, that's yeah. how much I know about it. And, oh, <laughs> and I look at it, I take the worst pictures on it ever. Like on my phone, I take better pictures. You're not using the camera? Uh-oh, can you I, I haven't been using it like enough because it's like, mm -hmm. I feel like... I, I take such shitty pictures on it that I can never use those pictures. So I have to just, I've been using it since this whole quarantine thing okay. where I don't have any dogs here now. And I'm like trying to do more creative things. I've been starting to just take random pictures of things, but yeah, rest all the pictures that I was taking of it. That what? Hurts. That hurts me <laughs> that you have that camera and you're not using it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm saying, give us some tips. Okay. Some Here's tips. my top tip. So there are three things, and if you need to look up like what these things are, like I didn't know what they were. ISO, which is the thing that makes the picture brighter. Aperture, it can also, you can call it the F-stop, but it's, uh, it's what makes your, like if people know about the bokeh, people know about that where the background is blurry. So your F-stop, if it is a lower number, like 2.8, then the rest, it just, it's, a low, it's a smaller circle. And then 4.0 gets bigger. So that's when you get like the like big goofy faces of dogs. It's a wide angle lens, usually um, that big of an aperture. And so aperture, ISO, shutter speed. So shutter speed is if you're trying to get a picture of a dog who's running really fast, you need to have a higher shutter speed. So like one over 2000. But if you have a dog, mine is usually set to one over 250 because the dog isn't really moving that much. So if you think of those three things, they all affect each other. So think of them as like a triangle. So what I would start doing is focusing on the ISO alone and just start taking pictures of something and changing the ISO to see how the light changes because photography, it's all about the light. So if you're inside and taking a picture of something, it's probably gonna look really shitty because it's probably dark in there or something or in your basement or something like that. So I would go outside and play with the ISO and then start playing with the shutter speed that also affects your light. And then the F-stop also affects your light. So, oh my gosh, I love this so much. Um, so I would just focus on one at a time. Like when I first got into it, I took a local um, photography class and I ended up taking mm -hmm. three of them with the same teacher because I loved it so much. And he 
had assignments where we would just focus on one aspect at a time. It's kind of like we tell owners, like just focus on these small things. Don't like try and do the whole thing at once. And so with pictures, if you just start to see how light affects things, then you start to see like what your setting should be or for something, or like if you have a dog in a doorway and you're taking a picture, you'll start to know that the ISO can be this and this, but they all affect each other. So pay attention to that. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to see pictures from my camera because oh. now I have now I have time to do it because I don't have any dogs coming in right now. Yes. And you're going to so love I'm, it. Oh, my God. Creative things to let my mind do things instead of focusing on other things. So that's going to be a good one for now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Lauren said. Hi, Lauren. Okay. So about the older dog trainers, older trainers thinking our dogs should be perfect or we can't train. Um, hello. <laughs> Who thinks animals are capable of being in the first place? Yep. That's a good point, right? I mean, none of us are perfect. I don't think we could expect perfection from our dogs if we're not able to reach that level of perfection. It's like, it's not fair to expect that from an animal. I don't want my dogs to be perfect, to be honest. Like, I like that my dogs are imperfect i love their imperfections like that's their quirkiness that's what that's what attracted me to them in the first place is their personality and personalities are not supposed to be perfect yeah well i know for myself like with just talking about like training i did think for a while i had to turn out a perfect dog yeah I remember because like, like whiny dogs that's that's not my um uh it's not at the top of my list for the dogs I want to work with. So if I have a dog who's really whiny, it's like every time they whine, it's a little reminder. Some, if I'm being really perfectionistic and I'm like, Ooh, like I need to fix that. And where Bobby will like remind me just because like, that's not, you don't have to fix everything about the dog. So I still sometimes get into that. It's hard. Um, I just never knew I was a, a perfectionistic person until dog training. It's because, <laughs> it's because it's something that you love to do yeah so you want it to be done 100 percent right which is a great i think it's a great it's probably something that most dog trainers especially ones who are just newly into this which we both are essentially and we don't have our 10-year pass yet and Ooh. and we struggle with this idea of like we love what we do we want to do it right and we want to do it all the way right but then we have to accept the fact that these are animals and like what's right for each dog is going to be different. Each of my yeah. dogs right is completely different. They all look different in terms of like their level of training and not because I trained one in a different way than the other. It's because they're different than the other. Yeah. Well, I know like when uh, Kate, a lot of you probably already know her, Kate from Canine Dog Training and she came down to stay with me and I was so nervous because my dog yeah. We're not anywhere near perfect. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh. And she's my really good friend, but I was like, oh no, what is she gonna think of me as a trainer if she sees how bad they are at times? And they're much better, you know, we're so like hard on ourselves. They're much better than a lot of people's dogs and they'd be totally fine. But it's it's hard, I think for anyone, it's just relatable when you get into that headspace of, oh, my dog's not being perfect. Like, oh, like what's, I need it to be perfect, but it's not possible. Yeah. The the thing that I had to learn from this idea of like the perfection is if my program, my program is three weeks for most dogs. So okay. I do a three week boarding train. If I'm at the end of three weeks and this dog is at a completely different space in training than the last dog I trained, it doesn't mean I did something wrong. No. It doesn't mean that I can't train the next dog to be at a different place than it. All it means is I train this dog to the level it's going to get during three weeks. And now I need to make sure the owners know how to continue yeah. moving forward with it. Yeah. But the thing that like holds so many, again, I think newer trainers back is that struggle of I got this dog this far and then I only got this dog this far. And it's like as if there's some sort of measurement scale that they all have to reach up to. And it's like, no, you got that dog to its highest level, just like you got that dog to its highest level. Essentially, it's the same, but they each have their own scale. It's not one scale that everyone has to fit into. And it's that yeah. fitting in thing that when we do it to the dogs. <laughs> yeah, well, and I know I just had someone who was like, 
uh, I saw you do this with that dog. That's this, like, I want my dog to be just like that. And I was like, okay, well, uh, well, one thing I've learned from working with owners, the more owners that I work with, the more confident I feel being completely upfront. So in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to turn anyone away. Like, I want to be super nice. Uh, where what I found is uh, usually respect when you're just upfront with them. And I was like, okay, I know you want that, but all dogs are so different. Like, I don't meet any of the dogs before training usually. So the first day is the first time I meet them. And it's kind of like a fun surprise. Well, hopefully it's like a fun surprise. <laughs> um, uh, it's just, you never know. But I think that's where the experience comes from. It's like every dog teaches you something new and owners. And I think from an owner's perspective, when a trainer calls them up and says, hey, like your dog is not like that dog. Your dog is not going to necessarily do what Mitzi did, right? And like, at first it might be like, well, I really wanted that. But then when you really explain to them, they're going to be like, wow, this trainer really took the time to get to know my dog, right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't say like one size fits all. It's like, no, this is actually personalized. She actually cares about my dog and my dog's personality and what my dog can do. Yeah. And it shows a higher level of caring in a sense, because you're not trying to force the dog into that top level box. It's just, this is what your dog can do. And it's, I think it's really nice for owners to see that. I would like to see that if I was going for training. Yeah. Well, and a huge thing that I've learned is it's all about communication. Like I remember when I first started and I heard from some other trainers from another trainer, like the chain of trainers that if you don't hear from an owner after the training, then like, that's good. That's a good sign. Like everything should be good. No, like I've found that it is almost the opposite. Yeah. So I've, it's just, it's cool to, it's so cool with this job because you can morph and change and try to do things in a way that better suits the owners that you work with. And so, oh man, like I overly communicate sometimes now, like I'll call people halfway through. That's been a game changer because it's so different than just a text where like, it's just so different talking like in real time. And I usually get more information from the owner that I didn't know about. And there's yeah. always that stuff they hold back. <laughs> always. And it's always like, what? Really? Oh, and it's usually something either that I need to work on more or like a goal that they have or something or, oh, you know, all the time. And I was like, oh, so it was great. And it makes me feel good. But yeah, yeah it's all about communicating. I'm since I had this. So I was before we went live, I was telling you about how, <coughs> excuse me, I had a dog that was here for three weeks um, pre New York lockdown and shutdown. And I decided to keep the dog till the end of the training instead of sending him home early, because if I would have sent him home early, he was at that middle point where it was like, did it, it just to me, it didn't make sense like to send him home in that messy middle. Yeah. Right? And I knew that I could work him through it. And he was a great dog. He was a, his personality overall was really awesome, like from day one. And I decided to keep the dog all the way through. But I had to obviously tweak a lot of how my go home program works because I couldn't I do go home sessions in the owner's homes. I couldn't do that with everything going on. And they have two young kids. So we did everything virtually. And one of the cool things that I never really, I did it maybe once with one owner before was having that FaceTime before the dog goes home where it's just no dog involved, just me and the family sitting, the whole family was there. It was really cute. The two little kids were there. Everybody was involved. And we just chatted for an hour about the dog, about where it's up to, about what life will look like after training. And I think that helped set up a lot of uh, expectation for them of what to expect when this dog is back home. And what yeah. life should look like and the mistakes that are going to happen and, and the way the dog is going to act differently with them than with me and all of that stuff that we usually end up having to, at least me having to like reassure them, like, no, you're doing everything right. And your dog is just a dog. <laughs> right? And like, you just got to work through it. I got to work through that with them in a conversation prior to the dog going home. I think that's something that I learned from this whole experience that I'm going to add into my program of having a FaceTime chat with them couple of days before the dog goes home as that like pre go home go home session i love that yeah it was very cool do you do facetimes with owners uh no i don't i don't do yeah. facetimes but um the phone call has been really nice yeah. yeah uh and i never did that before so no cool. all right one more question for you what's one thing you wish every dog owner knew 
that their dog will never be perfect. I love it. Right on cue. Like perfect. Yeah, that's so important. It's such a real one. Yeah. I struggle. I struggled with it for a long time with Marley because like when I got Marley, he was my first dog ever. Didn't grow up with dogs. And he was like, I did I made every possible mistake that dog owners could make, right? I was that dog owner that needed somebody like me to tell them what I was doing wrong. <laughs> and like after a couple months of having him, it started to like become really bad. And at that point, I was like, then when I started to actually learn about training and start to help him and do all my research and like actually start to get on that better path, then I had these goals of like having him become that perfect dog, right? But I was going from having a highly reactive dog that was like kind of dangerous to wanting a dog that can go into restaurants and can do things that like he just can't do because it's just who he is. And it's not that I'm like not trying hard enough, but it's that I've, I know him and I know that that would be unfair to him. But for me, I struggled for a long time with that idea of wanting Marley to be perfect. And like, it's a hard one for so many owners. We all have that image of the perfect dog that we think we have to achieve. Well, and I think a lot of owners nowadays, they follow a lot of trainers on Instagram and the more people that they follow, it's just human nature. They compare their dog to other people's dogs. And so the more that they see like trainers having perfect dogs and turning out perfect dogs, then they think something's wrong with their dog or them working with their dog because they're not seeing the whole process. And um, that's the kind of feedback that I get, which is why I just, I like to share. I hope I share as much as possible. It also makes me feel really uncomfortable to think anyone thinks that I have a perfect life or anything about anything going on is perfect because it's not. So I'm like, let me tell you this story about this awful thing which is that makes me feel more normal yeah i think that if this is like to every dog owner out there who might watch this or listen to this like if you're following and this doesn't just go for dog training but we happen to be talking about dog training but if you're following anyone on social media that makes you feel like not enough or makes you feel like your dog is not good enough is an easy way to deal with that issue click the unfollow button and move on Mm -hmm. The cool thing about social media is that we get to choose what we watch and what we see and what we wake up to and like what community we want to be part of in that virtual world. And if every time you're going to it, what it makes you think is like that my dog is not good enough and my dog has to be perfect and I wish my dog was like that. It's great to have aspirations, but focus on is it actually a goal and an aspiration or is it actually just making me feel shitty? And many times it's just making people feel shitty. And if that's the case, just move on, unfollow. I've also done that, like, if I've just, I'm in one of those modes where I'm feeling, like, um, insecure. Like, I'm just having one of those moments or something. Even sometimes when I'm following a friend and they're, like, doing awesome things. And I'm like, this makes me feel really shitty. So I, like, mute them for a little bit. As long as you don't see it, no matter who it is, it doesn't mean that you're a bad friend or anything. It's just... Do what is best for you. And it really makes a big difference. Yeah, it doesn't. I like that you said it doesn't make that person who did post it bad. No. It could be nothing to do with them. And it could be everything about you. But that's all that matters really is that it's about you. And at the end of the day, like when you shut off that social media, make sure that it's not leaving you feeling way shittier than before. Because then it is a bad thing. Yeah. Here, we had a couple of questions over here. Christina asked, <clears throat> what sort of thing does one need to become a trainer? Like what kind of insurance or LLC? You want to you touch on that one? Uh, Bobby, where's Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> where's my CFO? Uh, so I had an LLC from my uh, dog walking business. Um, honestly, <coughs> does one need to become a trainer? Start training dogs? Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly think that that kind of stuff, it is important, of course, but I think sometimes that can hold people back from just starting. Like we were talking, were we talking on here about or before? Start before you're ready. Yeah, like that was start here. with dogs. If you're yeah. waiting for this kind of stuff, that can come later. But I think 
just getting your hands on dogs and just starting and like reaching out to a friend and asking if you can train their dog for free so you can start sharing like videos or something. I think that you can do now. Right. So I am literally in the middle of getting my LLC set up. Like I don't even have it done because I'm a dog trainer and like the government will recognize that as soon as I sign the paper, that's not a big deal. You don't need, and I'm not saying people should do business illegally at all. But what I, <laughs> what I am saying is that in order to like become a dog trainer, you need to be able to train dogs and you need to be able to help owners. And everything else is secondary to it, really. What do you think about, like, because I get this question sometimes and uh, about what kind of um, certificates do you need for dog tra to become a dog trainer? That you can help an owner have a better life with their dog. We should give that certificate. We yeah. should, like start giving that out to people. Yeah. Yeah. When I get asked that, I'm like, you don't like experience with dogs happens from working with dogs. Yeah. Like you can have all the certificates in the world. I want to see that you can have, and it's, and I don't want to just see that you can help a train a dog. I want to see that you could help an owner have a better life with their dog. Mm -hmm. because that's ultimately what the market needs, right? Dogs, Dogs without owners don't need training. Like dogs that are just living in the forest, they're not looking for training. They're yeah. fine, right? <laughs> the dogs that have owners, whose the owner's lives are not good because of the dog's behavior, and, and in turn, the dog's life is not as good as it could be. Those are the dogs that need training. So we have to be able to, yes, train dogs, but how can you help an owner? That's ultimately, to me, what it boils down to. And like certificates don't prove any of that. No, I think initially you need, um, what was I going to say? You just, well, I think confidence really helps because I think a lot of people get stuck in, I need my website to be good, which is really helpful. I mean, when I got my website, I waited for a while and I was like, this is a game changer. I don't have to like type stuff out to everyone anymore and stuff like that. But um, I just think you just got to start just yeah. getting your hand on dogs. Hands. Start to build experience. And yeah. if you don't have owners to work with, everyone lives somewhere near a shelter, go in and volunteer just to be around dogs. Even yeah. if you're not actually training them, just being around dogs and handling dogs will give you experience that a lot of other people don't have. And you'll be able to learn a lot from that. Um, Amanda wants to know, yeah. hey, Amanda, how many hours a day do you spend hey, on yeah. social media? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't set a timer or anything. Yeah. It's just um, kind of part of what I do. So yeah, I mean, well, for me, I do dedicate like one or two hours in the morning um, to creating one post. So if it's like one of those graphics that I do, I like to have the dog I'm working with on plate. It's like doggy meditation, which owners love, by the way, and um, and I just drink my coffee and get creative. So I do that in the morning. Um, <clears throat> but throughout the day stories, I mean, probably way too much time, but, <laughs> but yeah, stories are fun. <laughs> it's just part of my job. I think, I mean, yeah. what about you? So, so I have like a couple different types of posts. So I have my morning post that goes up every single morning. Um, I try to have that one up as close to as when I wake up as possible. Sometimes it's a little later on in the day, but that one in my notes on my phone, I have a list of random thoughts that relate to dog training. And every morning I go through it and I find one that I'm feeling that day and I make it into a coherent sentence. Yeah. And I find one of the thousands of dog pictures that are on my phone that I haven't used yet. And I create a post usually on Canva. And that's my uh, dog training thought for the day. So that's that one's fairly simple because I don't really sit and think about it. It's more sometimes I do. Sometimes it's like, crap, what am I supposed to say today? Like I've said it, I, I don't know what else to talk about for dog training. And my daily and my training thoughts, I want them to be like one liner, quick, easy ideas where you just read it and it clicks and it makes sense. Or thought provoking. Um but most of those I Throughout the day, because I think about dogs a lot, throughout the day, something will pop into my head. I write it down on my phone 
And then I'll take from there to use that for my dog training thoughts. A lot of times I get those after having conversations with owners or other trainers or people about dogs. And then my brain is all working and I'll quickly write it down. Um, and then like <clears throat> video posts, those kind of happen. Like most of them are not necessarily pre-thought out. It's more like if I'm training a dog, I'm going to document what I'm doing and try to make it into some sort of presentable post um, and then write about it. And now with no dogs around, now it's when it requires more creativity, really, because I'm not working any dogs, but I'm going to still continue putting out content for everybody. So oh. now when I really, what? I love social media. Like I could talk about this. I could talk about this and photography forever. I love it so much. I feel like your post, you, you, at least the story ones, not like the, not stories from your life, but like where you're telling a story in a video, like where you're cute ones, you're singing Disney songs. Oh. And stuff. Like <laughs> those, you probably, they probably have some thought put into it. And then the editing takes some time. No, no? I do. Well, I have like an idea and then, um, and then I just like do it. No. And, and I just, I tend to make like a lot of weird noises anyway, or like little like facial features that I don't even know I'm making. And so, then when I go back through, sometimes it adds like a funny little thing to it. Um, editing takes me a bit longer for those, not so long. Um, maybe like 45 minutes to edit it. So videos for me, uh, it's much easier to do ones for my phone. That's just like okay. one. But if it's something where I'm trying to like be very particular about the editing, I do it through iMovie. So I get that question a lot. Um, I do it on my laptop now, which is much easier than my phone. And then I send it to my phone, put a song on. Sometimes I'll put it over thing, like a voiceover. Um, videos take me a long time now, for sure. Yeah, videos are more work. Yeah. And then like written posts for me, sometimes I'll have like <clears throat> an idea of, some, of something I want to write about, a topic that I want to write about. But I try not to just write it then because it feels forced. Mm. I hate writing when I feel like I'm forced to write an idea. So I've always enjoyed writing even before I ever put out content. Like I would just have a notebook and just write as if like maybe somebody's going to see it, but I never showed it to anyone. <laughs> and so I always enjoyed writing, but I never felt comfortable to write an idea when it was forced. So I would kind of like think about an idea until it blossoms into like something that I can actually put into coherent form or sometimes I'll just write a bunch of random shit down that all has a similar theme to it in my phone and then I'll come back to it like a day or two later and then like make it into a post but like I feel like if I'm being creative and I'm forcing it it doesn't work and for me writing is a creative thing even if I'm teaching even if I'm giving over like even if it's not like something personal if it's something about dogs and I just want to teach it in a new way if it's forced, it's never the ones that I like that I like to read afterwards. And I like to read my own stuff and appreciate it. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite of you. I do it like I I don't um re I don't pre-write anything. Like I just do it in the moment. That's usually why I need like a couple of hours in the morning. But it's kind of like a rush for me. It's um right. like a fun creative thing. Just yeah, so I think I kind of like the pressure of it in a way. So it's just interesting. Everyone's so different with their yeah. creative style. I write, a lot. I write a lot of my posts, but I live right near the bay. So I write a lot of my posts like by the water. And nice. like that's always like my creative spot because I just feel like it's beautiful and it feels good to write there. But I never have like in terms of like how long I'm on social media, which was the question really like. I mean, I I'm, think you're like just starting and you know you want to like create stuff, but maybe you're not as driven to like I. That's my favorite part of my job, really. So, but if you're trying to just add it into your life, I would like time block. Yeah. Whenever you're the most creative, I'm the most creative in the morning, so that's when I do it for like two hours and just at least do that and just write out ideas or random stuff or write a story or something and. Yeah, time blocking really helps. And for, for people on that note of like who are just starting out and who are like struggling with what to put out, I have two two tips that I found helpful and that like from my own experience helped me become more comfortable on it and to start to think in more of like how can I teach people way so that it kind of flows and now every day I just have content coming out um, is two things. Number one is, Mama Bear, go back to your place. Sorry. 
number one is having a right so amanda said the struggles to be consistent and that was exactly what i was going to touch upon yeah. so think of a theme that you can do it whether it's for i did it for a whole year but you don't have to you can do it for a month of let's say like daily training tips call it whatever you want but where every day you're just giving a little tip and it could be you on camera or it can be a one paragraph thing written up with a cute picture of a dog and it doesn't have to be anything crazy that nobody else said before it just has to be you saying it you can say the exact same thing that i said on my page yesterday i promise you i won't get upset and you could just say it in your own words and as long as it's something you actually believe in and say it in your own words and do that on a daily basis and just call it a tip. And then you're going to start to, you'll have a consistent thing and you're going to have to keep to it because you made that commitment. Hopefully that's the way you're thinking of it. If you really want to do it, you'll have to be consistent with it because you know, okay, it's four o'clock. And I said every day by four o'clock, I was going to have my daily training tip out and I don't have it out. Let me sit down. It's three o'clock right now. Let me sit down and make sure it's out. And your mind will start to get on that schedule of making sure that this happens and it'll be easier to be consistent with it. Once you get that flow going, your mind is going to start to, th this is how I worked. It's going to start to think in that sense more and an idea will pop into your head and it'll be like, I should make a post about that, right? You'll be working with a dog and you'll be like, that was really awesome. The way he just, after one correction from getting off a place right away, he knew he should stay on place. And it was amazing how quickly that correction clicked. Let me make a, a training tip about how some dogs are just missing that one piece which is a little accountability boom you have a tip for the next day and the more you start to do it consistently the more your mind will work in that way of i i got this i have ideas i have ideas so creating a theme that every day you have to do that thing that's why i do it myself every day that's why i have the the dog training thoughts and that's why I did the daily training tips for those of you who followed me since all the way in the beginning, my daily training tips. That's why I did those so that I was forced to be consistent with it. And then my mind started to just flow with it. And the other thing of not consistency is if you are working with dogs and you're not putting out content and you can't think about what to do, it's a very simple thing that anyone can do. Get yourself a tripod, video it, and post two-minute clips of your daily training session and literally just explain in the thing what you're doing. So don't, if you're not, if you think you're not creative, which you are, but that's a different discussion. If you think you're not creative, then document instead of creating. What do you think? Uh, for me, I think a big driving force for like creating stuff is reminding myself of why I want to share in the first place. Because I think it's a really easy thing to get stuck in is like, um, I heard someone say this, like analysis paralysis, like, what should I post? Like, that's not good enough. What should I do? What should I write about? And just, if you get clear about why you're sharing, like for me, it's, I want to help owners live a better life with their dog. And it's like all these, so then all these kind of ideas come to me. But if you just get clear about that, like, why do you want to share? Like some people want to be, get, um, uh, another reason for sharing is to attract certain clients to you. Like, right of an owner do you want so maybe share stuff that you could relate to an owner on or something um just getting clear about your why really helps me have you read start with why no great book you should read it if you're focused on your why by okay. simon sinek is i think that's how you pronounce yeah. it that I name. Him. yes yeah it's a great book I, I didn't read it but i listened to it like i like to listen to books and it's a great book on that topic of start with why okay let's see what melissa says uh, it's one thing I struggle with, saying things that haven't already been said, but you're so right. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> there is nothing. Okay, I don't think there's too much out there that hasn't been thought about in terms of like how to train a dog. Because essentially, it's not rocket science. I don't <laughs> think that you're going to sit and think for years about an idea. And all of a sudden, you're going to come up with a brand new thing that nobody's ever done to train a dog before. But what you're going to do is think of your way of doing what's been done before. And that's why clients are going to want to work with you as opposed to with me, because I do things Russ's way. Bethany does things Bethany's way. And Melissa, you'll do it your way. And that's what's going to attract the right people to you. And there's so many dog owners out there and every dog owner is an individual and they're going to be attracted to the person behind the message, not necessarily the technique. Yeah, I love that. 
All right, it's cool stuff. Uh, Bethany, Melissa said thank you to you. Oh, <laughs> hi, thank you. <laughs> okay, cool. So it's been about an hour, so we're gonna wrap it up. I I wanna <clears throat> I want you to, to let people know how they can find you if they're interested in following you on social media or working with you or anything like that. So walking at walking dog training on Instagram really is where I share the most. I don't share as much on Facebook, but it's all at walking dog training. Yeah. Cool. And she has an awesome website. Your website is really oh, cool. I was looking at it. Before. I didn't do it, but I paid. Well, <laughs> well, it looks, it looks your style. So whoever did it, did a good job it's of amazing launch Bay creative and they work uh, remotely. So they are the best guys ever. So yeah. There. Oh, oh my gosh, you're so fancy. Isn't that cool? It's so nice. I think I could scroll through it while we're on it. Okay, guys. So whoever wants to check out Bethany's work or her website is at walkingdogtraining.com. She's in Orlando in Florida. Um, so Orlando peeps, hit her up. And whoever's not in Orlando but wants really awesome content that's been very inspirational to me and a lot of other people, follow her on Instagram and Facebook, but Instagram is where it's at because we get the stories and stories are fun. So check her out, guys. It's been a lot of fun. I hope wherever you are, you're staying safe, you're staying healthy, you're staying positive. Remember to be kind, be gentle to each other, and be gentle to yourselves. Love you all. Bye. <laughs>